So, uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Netcast. I am Ekant Yadav, a final year electrical engineering student. And I am here with my co-host, Mayank Kumar. Hello everyone. This is Mayank Kumar, final year in, uh, engineering student from IT branch. And today we have a wonderful guest with us. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur having built Quantum Limited, an enterprise and consumer IT services building business. And is the co-founder and CEO of ShirtOnce. He is a business executive with 26 years of cross-domain experience in leadership and management in IT industry. A leader and a technology enthusiast having delivered innovation in large e-commerce and telecom. He is leading B2B plus B2C, digital and technology businesses in US as well as in India. Currently focused on building world-class products in blockchain, DeFi and digital transformation. Having pursued engineering from a very own NIT Kurukshetra and MBA from Institute of Management Technology, Ghaziabad. He's an elected runner and enthusiastic contributor towards diabetes management. So please help me in welcoming Mr. Pawan Kurana. We welcome you, sir, to our podcast. Thank you, Mayank. Thank you, Ekant. And it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, any opportunity to talk to fellow NITNs uh, across any batch, junior, senior, it's, it's always a delightful experience. Uh, it's a very, uh, we are very pleased, sir, to have you. So let's start with the question. So uh, as you have worked at IBM, uh, then at CUS at Quantel, and then you co-founded Certwins. So how was your experience in the industry? I mean, uh, you uh, have mostly played played a management role. So how do you define your experience? Um. So. Uh... You know, every every uh, every organization that I worked for had a different flavor to to the culture of that organization. Like, for example, IBM being a probably one of the largest and most respected and one of the oldest IT companies in the world. I mean, if you care to know, it has got more than a hundred years of history, and uh, they've seen transformation across the organization over the hundred years from different businesses that they started and where, where that company is now. It's a journey and a story in itself to learn a lot from, and uh, uh, and and I had got my share of uh, experiences and learning from that. Uh, specifically, uh, if I talk about the the biggest learning was how you run such a large organization where uh, you know uh, it, it it's like across different cultures. Uh, how how do you manage to bring consistency in delivering? and steering a ship so large. Uh, so the fundamental thing that makes such organization works is processes. So that was a great learning experience to understand how processes shape and run an organization uh, and how the cultures are built in such large companies. And then uh, when I uh, moved on to uh, Quantum as a CEO, uh, uh, every learning that I had in my career, whether it was IBM or even before that, every one of that learning was put to implementation in my 10 years of journey in quantum and I'm glad to have uh, had uh, worked with uh, organizations like IBM before before taking over the role at quantum so so some of the best uh, you know uh, successes that we were able to uh, deliver in quantum uh, during my journey in 10 years as well I, I would owe it to my learnings from my previous organization like IBM uh, and then obviously moving on to excerpt ones uh, so I think uh, the key difference uh, is that uh, you know the excitement and the charm and uh, passion of building or creating something on your own uh, uh, 
what every startup uh, thinks of dreams of and you know achieves uh, it, it that's that's what cert was the journey is all about and and doing it in a uh, in a technology domain which is cutting edge the most latest and and making the making significant uh, impact on the way we run our uh, our organizations uh, that itself is very exciting and and as i said uh, the learnings from the previous experiences of having worked with ibm and having implemented those at quantum uh, um, i think have shaped me in a manner where i i genuinely believe and have the confidence that uh, we would be able to build this into world class organization in times to come and i think i also want to mention here uh, i think the importance of uh, mistakes and failures in your career is is probably not uh, valued as much as it should be i mean the way we are taught or the way we are brought up in our culture uh, mistakes are uh, looked down upon failures you get uh, frowned upon and people think if someone has failed in something uh, it you know that that becomes a stigma but but uh, you know uh just like success is is something that teaches you it gives you that uh, you know release of hormones and and gives you that confidence to try and do more and more uh, builds builds that uh, confidence in you but uh, uh mistakes and failures also teach you a very important set of lessons and uh, those lessons are like resilience and your ability to you know uh, strive and do well in adversity and stand your ground when it matters the most having confidence in your ability and then and keeping the faith so those those come in very handy in 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 your career so uh, so this is how i i look back upon my experiences in all the organizations and what i'm doing today and uh, yeah uh, probably i would like to add uh, uh to you young guys i think one of the things that is not so uh, popular in our in our culture here especially in india and in the professional domain is uh, the value of advisors and mentors right so uh, i do believe that uh, the sooner you are able to find a personal advisor or a mentor who can help you uh, at different stages of your life in your professional and personal journeys uh, whether it is learning or you know whether it is working i think it would be of great help because uh, at at and and every human being uh, rightly so thinks that uh, the person knows everything and you know that you that your own personally acquired knowledge is good enough to give you uh, what you want to do but uh, but having the ability to learn from others having that mentor who has your best interest in mind and those sometimes those those pieces of advice come maybe in a in a short interaction of one minute or two minute or it may take longer but uh, uh, they they those advices typically uh, play a very important role in shaping your career so uh, as soon as you can uh, find someone who can who, whom you can look up as a mentor or an advisor uh, in your professional journey personal journey and if you become uh, entrepreneurs or run your own organizations then at an organizational level also so so you mentioned your company cert points and it's one of the leading companies right now in blockchain certifications digital records etc so if you could throw a little more light on it first and also on your journey on building that company to where it is right now right so yeah that's um, that's always a, a you know emotional and a, a 
you know passion filled uh, uh, journey that we have had uh, and i was saying earlier also that blockchain probably is one of the most significant technological innovation that has happened in the recent time uh, we can just look back and uh, and 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 cherish that what uh, has probably started as just a nine page uh, white paper by satoshi nakamoto when uh, he wrote that 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 paper changed the world and and it truly is a game changer in the way it solves the real world problems like um, uh, i i don't know i mean a lot of time people confuse between blockchain and cryptocurrency and we'll talk about that later but fundamentally what blockchain brings to us in a digital first world is like today all of us you know i mean uh, hardly we share uh, any any uh, Uh, documents or any transaction we do use which involves paper i think we are in a digital first world where you consume news digitally where you exchange uh, information digitally where you transact digitally so in such a world i think one of the key figures which has now come to uh, you know key problems that it's some right is that how do you trust right how do you trust the other person uh, we are seeing so much of uh, you know fraud happening uh, because of this uh, you know the way we have moved to digital adoption of digital uh, uh, that trust is what blockchain brings to the table your ability to uh, you know uh, uh, trust a person on the other side of the transaction without knowing the person uh without having to uh, worry about uh, uh the background of the person uh blockchain is able to deliver that trust in transaction trust in uh, digital exchange of information uh, in a secure environment and bring that transparency uh in terms of who who are transacting with what you're transacting so that later on you can trace all the all the transactions also uh and all of this is done with a great amount of efficiency and 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 Uh, cost benefits so uh, so we we truly are uh, happy to have built this organization and uh, what we launched as digital records management and verifiable records and verifiable credentials is probably the most established and most accepted uh, use case of blockchain uh, like all of you students so let me ask you this i mean tomorrow uh, when you get your college degrees uh, the final students specifically like ekant mayank and uh so suppose you go for an employment uh, you would need to get your uh, your education verified your first employer would like to get your academic record verified right so today if it is a paper based format of degree so you would probably be scanning and sending it to them or maybe attesting and giving a copy then the employer will have to write back to the institute the, the institute will reply back saying that okay yes this was a student and this is the credits and credentials of the student so all of this is a real uh, you know slow process of verification of credentials so uh, so blockchain solves that very efficiently so uh, if if you were to get a degree uh, certificate which is instantly verifiable and tamper proof and can be verified by your future employers on blockchain within a matter of seconds right so they don't have to fo- uh, bother about whether to trust you the person sitting across the table or not whether to trust the digital uh, medium that it is being shared on whether the copy is authentic or not if the signatures are genuine or not it doesn't matter because blockchain will be able to help make it a verifiable document and and anybody who uh, around the world whom you share your degree with tomorrow would be able to verify that document in a matter of seconds and that too on the uh, issuer's website with a complete 
background data and details of when it was issued, how it was issued, uh, what was the transaction ID in blockchain, so all of that. That is the first use case. Now, uh, think bigger. Uh, uh, let's talk about any verifiable credential. It could be your driving license. It could be your uh, birth record, death record, caste certificates, um, uh, citizen records, health records, municipal records, everything can become a verifiable credential on blockchain. So, uh, in fact, the, the technology that we are using uh, for uh, blockchain-based verification of digital records has very recently also been declared as the worldwide standard for verifiable credentials. So, uh, I hope you're able to understand the term verifiable credentials. Uh, yes, or Yes, so, so fundamentally, it is any credential, any any uh, any document which has a meaning to you uh, as a credential in terms of academic achievement or in terms of work achievement or anything else uh, should be verifiable and should be verifiable uh, uh, instantly and it should be verifiable on trust base. That's the whole definition of verifiable credential. So uh, uh, how many of you are familiar with the W3C body, World Wide Web Consortium? Oh, actually, I have researched some in that, but I'm not like technically well versed. But I'll so okay, so let me ask you: What do you know about W3C Worldwide Web Consortium? So uh, W3C, I think it uh, works on decentralizing the web. Uh, I think that's what it is, and you know, it's like uh, taking the power out of corporate hands and distributing it amongst public. I think that's what the main motto is. Okay, so Worldwide Web Consortium is essentially a body. It's just like uh, how English is today the standard language to communicate in the world, right? It is the global standard of communication. Similarly, W3C is a body which defines the standards and protocols on how to build applications or present applications on the web. Just like you have your, uh, you know, in the computers, you have languages and you have protocols and syntax and uh, everything else. So, uh, so W3C is a body which defines the worldwide. So for example, today everything is developed in HTML on word, on web, right? So that is a standard defined by W3C. So W3C has defined this de verifiable credentials as the standard for the world to adopt. So uh, MIT Boston uh, is the first one to have adopted the same solution that we are now uh, taking on and in our in our startup uh, start ones. Um, so. And the next will be something called verifiable presentation. So verifiable presentation is like, uh, I think all of you are, I'm assuming under 25, the legal age of drinking, right? Yeah. yeah. In India, yes. But in some other countries, the, uh, it is probably 18 plus is the legal drinking age. Now imagine if you were to go to a bar, um, and I'm talking about now verifiable presentation. So if you were to go to a bar and you would need to uh, give uh, age proof. So somebody, let's say, asks you before serving your drink that, uh, show me your proof of age. What would you show? Aadhaar card, most probably. Right, I so you will, you will reveal your date of birth? Yeah. So now that's a challenge, right? That's personally identifiable information. If you are familiar with the term called PII, uh, personally identifiable information. So there is something called PII compliance. So uh, most of the international organizations and uh, world bodies are now saying that you should not be storing personally identifiable information of a person. So if if that bar was to take a copy of your uh, Aadhaar card, that's personally identifiable information. They are not required to share. So and then you, verifiable presentation is the next level of use case of blockchain where um, you could prove your age 
uh, in a bar so that you can be served drinks without having to show your date of birth. So it's like uh, providing a security to uh, general masses. Yes. So, so if if you could prove your age to someone without showing your date of birth, wouldn't that be wonderful? So you're not having to reveal your date of birth. It's like uh, you can go to a state and prove your domicile that you are a, a domicile of Haryana without showing your address, yeah, without exactly. revealing your address. So, so the presentation is going to be probably one of the most important uh, use case of, of blockchain going forward. Uh, I'm talking about maybe two years, three years, five years, ten years from now. Uh, every uh, every exchange of information around the world uh, which would require building trust between two transacting parties. So uh, whether you're making a payment to someone, whether you're buying a product from someone, uh, you could... You could uh, trust the person and share only enough information to make the transaction uh, secure and trust-based without having to reveal too much of information about you. I mean, I wouldn't need to share my credit card number with somebody to be able to make payments. That's verifiable presentation. So all of these are the use cases for blockchain, but this is not where it stops. Then uh, there are use cases of blockchain that certain ones will be working on uh, in the next two to three years as our roadmap. Uh, in fintech, in uh, uh, in uh, workforce credentials, as I said, uh, uh, we are also going to be moving into NFTs and metaverse very soon. Uh, you should start hearing about some announcements coming up very soon in that. In fact, probably blockchain and then men NFTs and and metaverse are probably the some of the biggest innovations which are going to uh, change the way we we operate in the digital world. How many of you have seen the movie Wall E? Uh, yes, sir. I have. You have. Yes, sir. Ekan, Both of us. Uh, anyone else? Uh, Kunal, Harsh. Have you yes, seen the movie Wall E? Yes, yeah. So, and how much of how many of you know about metaverse? I think all of us know, sir. So, what is the correlation between metaverse and Wall E? Can you draw a correlation? Uh, like all of them were connected in like a virtual reality. They could like change their clothes, order things. It was like the whole world was virtual. Uh, I think. And what were they doing in the physical world? What were those people doing in the physical world, really? They were just sitting on their asses on the chair, I think. Yes, and they're not moving. So that is probably a very scary um, manifestation of metaverse, but. But in reality, metaverse is something which has got great amount of uses, and you will see certain ones talking about some of them in in very near future, maybe in the next couple of years. So, but yes, these are the few things which which are very exciting, and we are working on them as an organization. It's a great journey. If any one of you wants to uh, connect with us for uh, for knowing more, for contributing, or probably for internship or or if you, if anyone of you are interested in doing something around blockchain or these subjects, please feel most welcome to uh, connect with us offline. Uh, sir, actually, I'd like to point out a statement you said. You said blockchain and crypto are confused by masses. So in recent uh, recent uh, you know cases like Luna knows ninety nine percent of its value. Blockchain is falling. Ethereum's are falling, and there are countless uh, NFT scams. So I think it has uh, created a negative mindset for blockchain in general masses mindset. So how do you think it will affect upcoming people that are working in, you know, innovating with blockchain and all that stuff? 
Okay, yes. So, so you, I think that is very uh, sharp of you to have picked up that statement. Yes, uh, a lot of people are still confused between cryptocurrency and blockchain. And yes, a lot of cryptocurrencies have lost value in the in the recent past. But, but uh, if you ask me, uh, blockchain is technology is the fundamental technology that is that is going to be used. Cryptocurrency is just the money. It's like a. a so if you were to put blockchain in a context, let me just uh, break it down and simplify for you. Um, publishing something or any information on blockchain or a transaction or on blockchain is like publishing. If you just want to relate it to a physical word, imagine you publish something in the newspaper today, right? Now that is going to be printed in that day's newspaper and it is going to be there in that record forever, right? So what was published on 15th August 1947 was the iconic newspaper. That still anybody can go and check or read. Sure. What is today in today morning's newspaper? Uh, can it even be changed by anyone? Can it be edited after printing by anyone? No, like... After two seconds or two minutes, two days, two years, you can never change it, right? Similarly, blockchain is also uh, in a very, in a very, I would say. Um, convoluted way in a very different way it's probably a manifest it's probably a, a version of newspaper on the internet because it's like a public ledger anybody can uh, go and publish anything in the in that anybody can go and verify whatever was published on blockchain just like anything was published in newspaper you can verify it forever and it cannot be tampered with ever correct these are the two main similarities between a newspaper and and uh, blockchain so now, uh, let me now connect you with the concept of cryptocurrency and blockchain. How are they, how are they connected and how are they very different and, and how the impact of the falling currency uh, should not take away people's trust in blockchain. It's like you will always trust a newspaper, right? Yeah. So if you, if you were to publish something in Indian newspaper, how would you make the payment for publishing an ad in the newspaper? The in which currency? What in which currency will you pay if you were to publish something in Indian newspaper? Um, it's the Indian rupee. Indian yeah. rupee, right? And if you want to publish an ad in New York Times, in which currency will you pay? Dollars. Dollars. And if you were to publish, and I'm sorry, extending the argument, but if you were to publish something in a European newspaper, you will pay in euros. Yeah. Similarly, Ethereum is a blockchain. Is like a newspaper. Similarly, Bitcoin is another blockchain, another newspaper. And uh, Solana or any of those VeChain, uh, you can keep naming. Every chain is like a different newspaper being published by a different group of people, being managed by a different group of people. And each one of them have their own currency, just like every country has their currency for the payment on the newspaper. So fundamental value of cryptocurrency Fundamental reason why this currency exists is so that you can do transactions on that blockchain. So uh, the fundamental use of cryptocurrency of Bitcoin is to be able to make payment for transactions on blockchain. And it is also a store of value. It's an asset. Uh, so you could hold your, uh, uh, I would say, asset as a cryptocurrency also. And you could tomorrow make payment in cryptocurrency and that whole decentralized thing, it's it get a great value. It's like, uh, 
I mean, for some for some things, it is actually of good value, but for sometimes it actually is a is a menace also. But it is it is definitely a very important concept. But uh, the very fact that cryptocurrency lost its valuation was because I personally believe that there was too much of hype and they were they were overvalued. Just like any asset class, like when gold was first uh, discovered or invented as an asset class. uh i am sure the value of gold would have fluctuated i have not checked that but i am kind of i can hazard a guess that the value of gold also would have taken a lot of upswings and downswings because no one knew how to value it so every asset finally uh settles down and finds its value with the market right where it should be placed so today if gold is at 1760 dollars per ounce uh it has found a value equilibrium so it will keep going up and down based on the value of the currency the the shortage and the demand and the use of gold right similarly cryptocurrency will also find its uh place right in terms of its its value in the world but uh, uh but just like any other asset class it will have its upswings or downswings but that does not take away uh that does not take away the importance of blockchain just like uh, if the dollar goes up or down or the ruble goes up or down versus inr or euro or inr equation changes it does not by any means undervalue the importance of a newspaper in india or a newspaper in euro that does not take away the face from the newspaper similarly blockchain is a technology there is nothing which can shake the faith of people in blockchain because that has a real use uh if the cryptocurrency value goes up or down but at the same time so if you are pro- probably paying today 1 dollar to publish a news in the newspaper uh tomorrow you may be paying 2 dollars to publish that article or or or, or an ad in the newspaper but uh, but you will still be able to use it as a currency right so that's the difference but yes if you're if you're uh, if you're only focused on cryptocurrency as an asset class then i think uh, uh, um then you need then you need to be very cautious about where you want to invest and how and and, and i'm not a financial investment expert so uh, but yes uh, i think unless you understand something don't invest in it is what my my advice to you would be understand the technology first if you understand the technology if you understand it uh, use cases then i'm sure you'll know your way around Uh, so like you just mentioned the current hand hand to hand going of metaverse blockchain and nfts and then also in the current light of you know there there have been certain exploits going on in security breaches regarding nfts and all this. so where do you think is the blockchain security headed to or rather where should it be headed to in the coming may 5 or 10 years yeah yeah tell me more about it what was that uh, nft security issue you talked about you know there was a uh, recent news that someone blockchain account was hacked and uh, you know yeah. people think that uh, once you use any platform that's related to blockchain it's uh-huh. supposed to be secure and they're careless about it so exactly okay so um blockchain is secure right uh just like anything printed in the newspaper cannot be tampered with can always be verified similarly all the transactions that you write on blockchain will always be tamper proof will always be verifiable 
but hacking of a cryptocurrency account or a wallet is something like you have money in your pocket you have your wallet with you if you are careless about your wallet is it the fault of the, the of the printing press which is printing that money does the government of india or rbi have any fault in printing that money if you are careless about your wallet if you left your wallet somewhere and you forgot where you left it it's your fault if you are if you are if you're careless about your passwords and somebody hacks your password or account it's your fault uh so so and now the other aspect that you're talking about if you logged into a platform and there uh, your details were stolen that's a security issue that is not a blockchain issue and that is not a cryptocurrency issue it's a typical it security issue you're using a laptop you're using a phone for doing digital transactions you must use some security software to make sure that you are not going to uh, uh i would say unreliable websites uh, i'm sure some of you go to some website which you should not be going to but make sure you trust those websites that that's the most important thing like a uh, few days ago i received a message and this is scary okay uh, so my son is uh, uh, studying somewhere he uh, was looking for an airbnb and so he chatted with some uh, girl in uh, uh in that country and uh, on discord platform now discord may you can be chatting with anyone right can you can you know the person on discord who who is on the other side you can't right you can't trust that person so that lady sent okay i have an airbnb uh, apartment available you can book it for some amount of time my son sent me the link and it was the website link was uh, asia.airbnb.co.life and slash something 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 you click on it you see exactly what you see on airbnb site but look at the url should you trust this url no it's obviously a scam why because it's asia.co uh, because it's not their uh, domain name and airbnb doesn't you know uses countries and regions in their uh, url url that that you know you are being wise just because i told you it was asia.airbnb.co.life otherwise most of us uh, uh knowingly or unknowingly we end up clicking the urls that we receive and then we end up getting cheated by it i think that is a very different issue altogether now you can't you can't blame the government for uh, for for not being able to manage your assets properly you can't blame the cryptocurrency per se or the blockchain per se uh, for uh, for somebody hacking your uh, currency wallet yeah so obviously if you have experience in yeah. you know yeah you can obviously divert from the scams but for general it's hard so yeah so i think that is why i said uh, if you remember a few minutes ago also i said that you know uh, you must know the you must know the technology you must understand the platform and then uh, uh, you know do your investment uh, so similarly uh, especially in digital and that's why you know i'll go back to the original statement i made you know uh, cert was one of the key problems that we are trying to solve is to be able to bring trust in every digital transaction right whether it is exchange of documents whether it is a financial transaction or any kind of a share of information that's all we do right yeah so that is why i think uh, in fact one of the use cases that we also talked about was that if you receive a link right the link also should be uh, verifiable right so um, 
I'm sure sooner or later somebody will come up with some uh, some innovative way of implementing blockchain to make sure that you trust the uh, the link that you receive. Uh, that gives me a very good idea. And if any, any of you can think of something around that, I'll be more than happy to collaborate with you guys once again on this. Okay, so it's like an open, you know, challenge to yeah. our listeners over at our uh, different. So, so yes. as you know, that most of our listeners are expiring students. Uh, so, do you have any advice for people who want to work in, you know, cutting edge stuff like blockchain, metaverse, crypto, and all that stuff? You know, the experience you have in management and then as a co-founder. So, I think that would be very helpful to them. Sorry. So, your question is that, and uh, you want me to give an advice to people who want to get into blockchain? Yeah, and blockchain, what was the question? Uh, you know, the experience they will need and the resources you can provide to them. All right, so two things, I'll break it down. So I think first and foremost, uh, uh, for, for going and working in blockchain or in any of these cutting edge stuff like NFT and metaverse or blockchain. So blockchain is the fundamental underlying technology. And NFT is a use case of blockchain. Metaverse is also a use case of not blockchain per se, but uh, use case of augmented reality and virtual reality. But all of these are something that that are game changers. So if it excites you, by all means, go ahead and jump into it. But but uh, as your as your professors would say, and I would probably uh, agree with them one hundred percent, is that in these years your your focus should be on understanding the the fundamental concepts on what every uh, every one of these technologies is built upon so you get that right and everything else will just just be uh, very easy flowing to you so by all means jump into it because this is the future but by that uh, by saying that i am by no means i'm saying that other technologies are not worthy of your time or investment uh, every other uh, technology whether it is core engineering technologies around electrical or, or mechanical or or civil, which is what I did. Uh, every one of that uh, is, is fundamental technology and there's work being done. There is very exciting work being done in every one of these domains. So whatever uh, 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 floats your boat, <laughs> uh, whatever uh, makes sense to you, whatever just gives you that excitement of uh, learning and uh, exploring is what you should do simply. And yes, and if, if any one of you wants to come and uh, 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 take a discussion offline with us on how you can do something in blockchain, if you have that interest, uh, more than happy to uh, hold a conversation around that. So, so uh, I'd, like to take, I'd like to take you back, like you have worked on IBM and as you mentioned, it's a huge company, it's a huge organization. And then coming from there and then starting your own organization, okay? So obviously, when you work on such different kinds of teams with such different kinds of mindsets and different number of people, and having managed all of them, you would have had gained a very different you know kinds of experiences. So how different was it, you know, working with that large organization, and here working with not so large organization but having very direct inputs? So if you could throw some light on that contrast between the two. Hmm. So. Uh, uh... Okay, so so there are three clear differences between all of them. And the first difference is that when you're a part of large organization, uh, your role is very clearly defined, right? And uh, 
you're expected to uh, deliver on your kras uh, within the domain of your role and uh, of course show innovation and uh, uh, in in that area where you're working uh, but but you expect a lot of things to be for granted for you take them for granted is like for example when you will walk into the office uh, if you are working for a large mnc you would expect the security to be there you don't have to worry about that you would expect uh, a pantry or a, or a, or air conditioning system to work you would expect the finance department to do its job you would expect if you are let's say in in uh, sales in one such organization you would expect the a uh, production team to work its part you just have to focus on sales and if you are in let's say uh, hr you would expect all of the departments to do their job so so your 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 sphere of influence is limited your uh, role is more defined but at the same time uh, if you keep your eyes and ears open and if you take that as a learning exercise you you get to learn a lot about how how such large organizations or well oiled machineries function and it is up to your own curiosity of how much you want to learn from there but but there is there's a tremendous amount of learning possible and somewhere uh, that choice of large organization also should come from uh, what kind of a person you are because there are some of these organizations which which have very strict regimes but some of them they allow you to innovate like for example uh, one of the most uh, i would say uh uh one of the most uh, adaptive organizations in such things is google uh, there you have complete freedom of work uh, you can choose to do different things and then uh, uh, you can go work across domain there are cross uh, functional teams being formed so such such things is what make a difference but but in large organization Uh, your learning experience is very different from a process point of view from learning point of view uh, but when you come to a smaller organization then uh, you cannot take some of these things for granted so you you may probably end up uh, having to uh, experiment a little more uh, you you get more freedom to work you are Uh, in smaller organization you are closer to the management i mean if you're talking about a person uh, at a uh, entry level or at a mid management level your 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 exposure or your direct connect with the leadership team is is stronger more frequent so that brings its own kind of learning and then startups are where it's like you have to do everything on your own so uh, there are definitely different phases of of every organization from a startup to a uh, fledgling uh, early revenue stage organization to a late revenue and then to a scaled up organization so uh, there are different set of skills which come in handy at different stages so i think one of the key things that one should always remember is that uh, that never never stop learning uh, and in no matter what environment you are as long as you uh, wake up every morning and you go to uh, work or or go go around doing your day to day activities as long as you are a thinking adaptive and a curious person uh, with a with an attitude to learn from everything that you're doing 
I think you'll always be in a good space. And if, and uh, whatever I know of all of our all NIT uh, alumni or friends and every one of you, I think our college provides just the right amount of uh, uh, atmosphere, a support system, the culture that that inculcates that ability to to go and uh, succeed in your life. Every one of the qualities that that a professional should need. I think our our environment, our ecosystem in NIT does provide that. So, so just have faith in what you're doing here. Uh, take it as a learning experience, and I think you'll be in good space. Oh, so, sir, you just mentioned like you had some great experience at NIT, and you think it's a great place to learn. So, as this is the netcast, and you have one of your alumni as <laughs> senior, so I'd like to ask you. Uh, uh, is are there some experience you have had uh, that are memorable? Uh, you know, some experience that taught you, you know, valuable lessons in life. And how was your overall general experience of that? Okay, so uh, I think one of the things that I uh, I would say I think you guys don't really have that uh, breakup of that fifty percent uh, seats have to be. Uh, I, I think fifty percent still have to be from the state, and remaining fifty can be from anywhere, right? Yes, yeah, still there. Big mistake, I think. Uh, if there's anything that I would want to change back in NIT structure, uh, if the central governments are listening, uh, then... Uh, so we used to have a quota system for every state. Uh, are you familiar with that system uh, that used to be there early? I don't know when it was changed. Probably any of the professors of that time could tell you. So uh, I don't know when it changed, but during our times, we used to have... Of course, 300 seats in total, uh, every batch. 150 seats were approximately for, for Haryana uh, pass-outs or domiciles, who've done the 12th from Haryana, and remaining 150 were divided with a fixed number for every state. So it's like if Kerala would have to, Goa would have to, UP may have 20, Bihar may have 25, Rajasthan may have 12, something like that. So so every state based on the population, the size of the state had certain fixed number of seats. Delhi had four and stuff like that. So believe me, if there's something that I, I feel you guys are missing out on, it's that cultural amalgamation that we had at that time. So Today, I can proudly say that uh, uh, in those four years, we made friends with uh, people from Tamil Nadu, people from Orissa, uh, from Northeast, from Maharashtra, every part of the country. And there was so much of cross-cultural learning that we had. There was, uh, and then and once after those four years, when we went back, it was like, uh, we did not belong to a state anymore. We belonged to a country and, and we had friends all over the country. So that was a great thing. So if there's any way uh, uh, you could go back, I don't know who probably has the capability to make that change, but that was amazing. Other than that, I think the uh, some of the most uh, memorable uh, things uh, that, that I can remember was uh, the time we used to spend together as friends, the friendships and the bonds that we built, because when you're there for four years, uh, you are each other's father, you are each other's elder brother, you are each other's mother, uh, caretaker, whatever. I think those those roles you keep interchanging in between and the friendships and the bonds that you build. And uh, 
the confidence that it gives you those four years because after having i think most of us probably study and uh, from uh, and uh, do not go to hostel in our uh, 11th and 12th very few people do that so most of us come from home protected environment and suddenly being thrown into a place like this tremendous amount of learning and self confidence that it can build in you uh, if managed and supported properly and that's where i felt that uh uh that system of sub states was very useful because uh how how do you guys have your uh, do you have something called gt uh not anymore sir not anymore do you know what gt is yeah what is it it was like uh, basically they have formed groups of yeah, from where they have belonged so there was like bihar gt and then there was up gt uh-huh. uh, it actually stopped i guess when we came in first year that year itself to stop so but yeah it was fun like i got to attend bhrgt and uh-huh. it was a different environment altogether ki yeah there's a different sense of belonging and they had fun so it was fun but yeah we also came to know that there are many cases regarding gt so they had i think college administration had put a stop to it on four years back yeah what the college administration put a stop to it yeah yeah, yeah. like gt is uh, not allowed and so यार तुम कुछ करो इसको ब्रिंग इट बैक गाइस यू नो इन इन सम फॉर्म ऑफ द अदर दैट दैट होल बॉन्डिंग ऑफ सीनियर्स सीनियर्स एंड जूनियर्स दैट आई मीन ऑब्वियसली वी हैड अ वेरी वायलेंट रैगिंग पीरियड बट आई कोट अनकोट यू गाइस हैव मच मच प्रॉब्ली क्लीनर एंड इट्स वेरी लीनियर इट्स वेरी लीनियर टू रैगिंग बट but during those days the kind of bonds we built with our seniors and the learning that we had was also very useful and uh, the support system we built was very very good yeah rest of it from an education point of view i think you are in a very very good place because uh, the faculty that we have is amazing uh, i know during our college days most of us do not value it as much but uh, you will realize the value of what you are learning here in the classrooms also uh once you leave those classrooms so you would probably if you stay within your domain of technical expertise or learning you may realize that what you learned was uh, was really handy right so uh yes other than that i think it's it's your it's your ability to uh, form that uh, bonds and relationships is is that that social uh, skills that you develop these four years are very handy very useful Uh, so like uh, right now we are we are still being in final year students and the pre final students who are applying for placements and internships mm-hmm. and uh, not everyone is uh, you know uh, do not have a good time ki very first opportunity they crack the company and i feel ki it's a very similar space to when someone is building a startup or working on their own because you have to face failures you have to get up again you have to work every day mm-hmm. and there are students you know who do get depressed who who, who give up right in between so even if they are capable they give up something that you know few lines that you would add for them because this is a very sensitive area and sensitive time for people right now in college and this placement uh, drive is something that is important so something that you could add along these lines i think so that's i think that's a very sensitive and a very uh, important uh, uh, point thanks for bringing it out mank so and and i personally do believe in in the value of uh, of asking for help right so it's a, it i think you know most of us uh, 
still have a lot of social uh, stigma around failure right attached around failure and, and not being able to do something not everybody is built uh, it's like if you ask if you uh, it's a famous saying right if you uh, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb on a tree it will always fail right so but that doesn't make fish a bad uh, whatever uh, creature but similarly i think um if we are here in this institute and all of you in final year or maybe I, I, and this this i think would probably i would suggest that you put this as a separate clipping specifically about uh, uh failure uh, about mistakes and about uh, social stigmas and about about need for help or mental health also and every one of this is related to that so we all end up being in difficult spaces uh, during our journeys in life so at that stage most of us feel very ashamed and embarrassed to go and share with others and and please mark my words when i say this it is when you find it most difficult it is when you find it most embarrassing to seek help or to share is when you must seek help and then you must share because that that can be the difference between uh you know where your lives go from that moment uh, in which direction asking for help um asking for support accepting failures we we all don't have the kind of uh, uh capability of self assessment or introspection or ability to understand our own mistakes and learn from them at the same level at 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 different stages of life some people blossom early some take lot more time but but irrespective of what space we are what situation we are in if you believe that you are in a uh, a problematic situation you are in a place where it's dark please 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 just raise your hand and ask for help there is no shame in accepting failures there is no shame in learning from your mistake or going and uh trying something new i mean I, some of our classmates uh went ahead and changed their course of uh, professional journeys uh 180 degrees from what what our college taught us but irrespective of that i think each one of us has uh done well in life purely because of that resilience and then the uh, self discipline and then uh, that confidence that we uh, you know take from our uh, journeys in college but at the same time um a lot of people could have done far far more far better and you know each one of us who dealt with different difficult situations in our life and i look back at mine also uh i think i should have also different times different places i should have also been more open to seeking help or seeking support or advice as i said you know that is when if you remember back i said about uh, the value of mentor and advisor in your personal journeys in your professional journeys and 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 if you run a company in in, in those organizations also it it cannot be emphasized enough
and if you have that you would have a bond and a connection and it would be far more easier for you to go back to that person and then share your thoughts uh, whether it is uh, happy thoughts bad thoughts successful unsuccessful mistakes failures everything right so build that bond build that relationship find someone you can trust find someone you can respect and learn from and never be embarrassed about anything in life thank you sir so also you have mentioned that you are an avid runner and also you are working towards diabetes management towards for the muscles and keeping in mind the current situation of especially this young group of adults the student group that we so call say and everything that our group goes through the stress pressure the fun the kind of activities the young adults to involved nowadays certain health tips or some uh, or something along those lines that you would like to suggest to keep them fit and fine so that they they can move ahead i just pick some sport any sport that you like try everything and whichever uh, uh suits you or just makes you go back and burn some calories pump some adrenaline and then just pick up something yeah. running is probably one of the most common because it requires least amount of equipment and uh stuff like that but any sport any other uh, physical activity but you must have one because uh and as as you mentioned about the stress part mayank uh dealing with stress uh, probably sports and physical activity uh is one of the one of the three most important pillars so food sleep and uh physical activity are the three important pillars for for a healthy mind and a healthy body so tum sab log ko most of the guys will say aise theek hai yaar hota rahega kuch baat nahi but but there will be a stage in your life where you will feel the importance of it and the earlier you do but but pick up something uh, as a sport or a physical activity to do great thank you sir thank you so very much so all right listeners that was another episode of netcast i hope you enjoyed and uh, you can uh, follow sir pamal kurana sir on his linkedin you can visit their website and all of the details will be in the description thank you very much thank you guys thank you so much for uh, having this chat and i hope especially uh, coming back to the focus on about uh, mental health and uh, mistakes and failures and ability to bounce back i i genuinely want every one of you to uh, to do the best you can in your life and with that bye bye thank you sir thank you for your time thank you bye